Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Hello to anyone who might be joining on the Temple Beth Am podcast whenever you are listening to us. Let me begin with two announcements. One, we're going to be end about five minutes early today because I have to rush to an appointment I can't be late for. And next week, I'll put this in the uh, WhatsApp chat, class is only online. We're having class, but only online. So don't come to Whiteman unless you want mediocre coffee for free. Um, only online next week. And um, that will be, uh, well, it'll be like, like, like the good old times. Um, okay. We are in the stretch of three, maybe four, I think three verses where Rashi is quiet. Um, and has, as has been my pattern more recently, when Rashi's quiet, I try to see if there's one other commentary who we can study each of those verses because somebody always says something. We read the verse last week, but we didn't read the uh, the commentary that I was going to bring. So it's chapter nine of uh, Shmot, uh, verse five. Let me read the verse, and then we'll. Um, I think the commentary I'm bringing in this verse is the Bahor Shore, another early French commentator. Chapter nine, verse five, <coughs> and um, we're talking about. Um, the introduction of the plague of Dever, which is five. Yeah, five. No. Arov Dever, yeah, five. Vayasem Adonai Moed. God will appoint a time, lay more, saying, Machar, um, tomorrow, Yase Adonai Hadavar Hazeb Aretz. God will do this thing in the land. And we talked about last week how Davar and Dever are playing a game with each other yeah. uh, linguistically. Yeah. Um, uh, and th- so this is the, uh, and we also discussed, we don't have to go back into it, that it's hard to know which level of quotation mark we are in here. Is this all in the thing that God wants, to, God is telling Moses, he wants Moses to say to Pharaoh, or did that quotation mark end? And we're now kind of in Moses's own <clears throat> interpolation or interpretation of what God wants to say, but we, we know the basic information that tomorrow um, God is going to um, set an appointed time when this thing is going to happen. Okay. Um, on that uh, verse, because uh, we actually looked at the verse last week, I want to share the screen. Once I share it, Elon, you may have to click yeah. something else again. Um, let's see. Yeah. If you yeah. can just yeah. reduce that. Before sure. Um, early French commentator. I think he's about 100 or 200 years later than Rashi. I think he's maybe 13th century. Don't remember 100%. Uh, look what he says. And we, um, somebody that we were look, listening to last week kind of <coughs> hinted at this a little bit in terms of where we are. I think Barry was talking about it, where we are in the, are we at an inflection point or some kind of peak in the array of plagues? Look what the Bechor Shore says. Vayasem Adonai Moed Lemor. That's the verse. Uh, God is going to uh, place an appointment tomorrow. Huamar, God said, Shetasuchag, that you should make a holiday, Hayantif, two days. Umawed, Uzvicha, and a sacrifice, Ba'aretz in the land, Lemachar, Yehimoed, Zvichat Tovatam. And the appointed time will be the sacrifice, the slaughter of the thing that they consider to be sacred, right? Remember, we talked about how toiva can both mean an awful thing you do 
or something you do which is sacred to someone else, and therefore it seems like an abomination to them. Sheyamutu badever, because there's going to be like a slaughter in that many of their animals, which were sacred to them, are going to die in the pestilence badever. Misham be'elach, from this point forward, Lo haita maka, there was not a single um, plague. Shalolaka, that did not smite tovatam, the things that are sacred to them. And look, look how we read this through. Kihaya hashchin, because the boils that are going to come at some point, maybe even this week, meaning we might get to this week. Ba'adam u'avahima, the boils came down and we learned directly, came down both on the human beings and on the animals. The habarad and the hail harag behemot also killed animals. The haarbe the locusts achal kol yerek esev ate up all of the vegetation, which is maachal habemot, which is the foodstuffs for the animals. Uveshlosha yimeachoshech, and in the three days of darkness, this is number nine already. Loni tan tevin lebehemot. This is a bit of a stretch. They were so, it was so dark they couldn't feed their animals, um, and. Um, by the way, that's a very um, uh, re- resonant and poignant way of talking about how something that seems to be impacting just the human population is, in, is uh, impacting the animal population. Think about the cattle and the sheep and all of those kibbutzim and Otep Aza who all of a sudden were evacuated from their workers. And guess what? Those cows were still hungry, right? And that's why people were, have been trickling in um, to help keep agriculture going, right? So it was a plague as a word that uh, impacted the animals as well. Lonitan tevin lebehemot, umakat bechorot, and the uh, slaying of the firstborn, haita af babhemot, also impacted the animals. We'll see when we get there. Vigam siva hakadosh, and also the Holy One commanded, lakacha, to take, set lavayat, each person a goat. This is for the night of Exodus. Selevet uh, avot, each each. Um, Ancestral house gets a, a goat, le'enehem in front of the eyes of the Egyptians, velatet damo al hamashkof, and to place its blood on the lintel, v'hamuzuzot on the doorpost, be'far hesya in public. I searched and I could not find what um, hey gimel hey hey stands for in all of the collections of Rashi Teva. I'm not sure what that means at the end of his comment here. So what the Bechor Shor is saying is, um, we've hit a point where. There's, there's some kind of an intensifying or at least changing of the plagues that is not just impacting Egyptian civilians. It's also impacting uh, the Egyptian animals. And that's going to go all the way through the end of the plague and the night of Exodus. Now, what he doesn't say, because he's a commentator, he's not a sermon, sermon giver, right? In some ways, he's as terse as Rashi. He's pointing out something interesting in the text. He doesn't say the therefore. And so it teaches us that. And what we learn from is, and that's up for us to discuss if we want to. But he's pointing out a pattern um, that is not, it's not an obligatory pattern. One does not have to read it this patternized, but he's choosing to. And so I leave it for everyone on the table if you want. Um, w- what do you take from this? Assuming you buy the Bechor Shor's pattern, what do you take from this? What would be the significance of that? Uh, Baris can bury a microphone. Let's take it off the, the stand. 
uh, up until now, it's it's been you know bad for the Egyptians. They they suffered this, they suffered this. They, okay, they put up with that stuff, but now it's it's an abomination of their holy uh, animals. Right, and, and, and that, so that's 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 beyond what they can handle. That's beyond. Mm-hmm. As if to say that a population can potentially handle their own uh, deprivation, but not something that is uh, not a degradation of something sacred to them. Tova? Um, I would just elaborate on that, that going to the uh, destruction of something that's uh, sacred in an even greater way undermines their sense of um, mod, of order, of the, mm. of, the, of the order of creation being undone, mm. which was the central tenet of Egypt for most of its history. What was the word used? Ma'at. It's it's usually translated as truth, but what it really means is the order that was established out of chaos at mm-hmm. the beginning of creation, the the way that things should be, mm. and part of that. Hmm? It sounds so Jewish. There's there's an element. I mean, the creation story has a lot of elements in common, but uh, it and but for instance, the idea that the two lands, Upper and Lower Egypt, should be one country. That's part of Ma'at. That's part mm. of the intended structure of creation mm. and so this in it could cause the entire thing is like an undoing an attack on ma'at but um with the addition of the attack on the sacred it broadens that it, so it's not it even just more. human suffering yeah it's human suffering and a breakdown of all the truths of the society right. exactly. thank you for that yeah. barry yeah. sort of on the same thing that uh, uh, it, it's sort of like a uh, 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 a military or a fighting strategy. First, first you hit the body, and, and then you then you destroy the spirit. Mm-hmm. So when when you've done the body, and then you hit the spirit, then your enemy is weakened. Um, it's those are apt comments. I'm in the middle of a fascinating and illuminating and troubling podcast episode. With Sam Harris and Yuval Noah Harari. I think two of the smartest human beings alive. Um, and I think, as I've said before, many sermons. Um, I like exposing myself to thinkers I don't necessarily agree with, but who I know are intelligent and are going to approach something soberly and listen to the two of these brilliant minds speak about the current situation in the Middle East. Um, and Yuval Noah Harari is Israeli, but no fan of the Israeli government. He is an extreme left-wing voice in Israel and a brilliant thinker about the human condition. The two of them going back and forth is fascinating. And Sam Harris made a point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ruin it. So listen to it, but something like, what does it say about a society if it's a greater insult to the society for you to do something to their God and their buildings than to their own people? And he was making that claim about jihadi Islam. It's like, Israel would never do this. But can you imagine if Israel said to Hamas, release all our prisoners today or we will destroy the Al-Aqsa Mosque? That would cause World War III. The destruction of that building would be considered more of an offense to radical Islam than the destruction of the next 10,000 Palestinian lives, right? And what does it say if your, if your sanctities, your, sa- your sacred images of your, of your divinity and your building are, and are, is, is more of an offense than destruction of your people? So it's an interesting thing to, to linger on when we take your comments on the Bahor Shores comment that, that somehow by... Yeah, we, we've, we've caused your people to suffer, but now we're causing your gods to suffer or the things representing your order to suffer as if, like, if that's an intensification, what does that say about what your society believes? It's a worthy episode. Sue, microphone. 
And then, I'm sorry, was your hand up, Larry? Well, along those lines, though, I mean, we're many thousands of years later commemorating the destruction of the temple. We're not a different. That's almost, that's the nature of humanity, I think, in some ways, that those symbols are, uh, they're bigger than the people in in some way. A yes and you, right? We're commemorating it, but we're not, Destroying other civilizations as well, right? yeah. and the reason why we're commemorating it is because it it ended Jewish presence and sovereignty and worship in Jerusalem. It didn't. It wasn't just that it was a building. It was it destroyed the civilization, right? If God forbid the Israeli government, which it would never do, destroyed the Al Aqsa Mosque tomorrow, wouldn't there's, there's nothing, nothing about the, yes. the world of Islam that would be different. But when the Romans destroyed the temple, that was the end of Jewish civilization at the time. Larry and then Rosemary. Wow, I'm going to take a left turn and respond to Sue and to you. And I just see your hand, Rick. So some of us commemorate and celebrate because it wasn't the end of Mm. Jewish civilization. It was the beginning Mm. of Judaism. And if it hadn't been for that, so in some sense, I've never seen this actually written, Wait, we, we'd be stuck. We should be celebrating it. It was a really good thing. We can have that conversation sometime another yeah. time. A couple or at of least tri- celebrating what Judaism did in the aftermath of it. Yeah, but it yeah. liberated us from all the things you talked about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even though there are some who want to bring us back, but that's a different discussion. Yeah. A couple of trivial comments. Um, first of all, it's pretty clear that this is the end of the, of the double quotes, and JPS actually has double quotes at the end. Of, of this the verse. previous verse? Or no, the, from verse one. But where are the where does JPS put the double quote? At the end of five. End of five. Got it. Okay. That's that, that, all of that is God speaking. Okay. And just briefly looking ahead, we skip the whole part where Moses actually tells Pharaoh, right. but we'll get to that later on. I think if I if I'm reading uh, the Bechor Shore correctly, he doesn't mention Choshech. So somehow no, Choshech does. does he? Oh, I'm yeah, sorry, I missed uh, that. Line five. At the end of line four. Ah, okay. So now he has a darkness. They couldn't right. feed. They couldn't feed their animals. Okay. So then, it affect it affect it affected them all. And I'm. It, it's interesting that he. I, I kind of understand how he gets to this from the from the um, Moed issue, but it's it, in a way it's it's rather sad that the animals had to suffer. Yeah. So you're distinguishing between. The people suffering because of their government, because of Pharaoh, versus the innocent animals who are suffering. He doesn't go in that direction, but I wonder if anybody, if, if any other commentar- commentators actually have. Yeah. I mean, it's an apt question. You're basically saying, we asked a question before, what does it say about your society if moving in this direction is worse than you killing your people? What does it say about your God? Who's willing to take down the animals? You know, from some of the, I, I saw some of the horrific um, video footage from October seventh. There are there are places on the internet where if you are willing to expose yourself to it, you can see it, and you sort of should and shouldn't. I, I don't know what the following sentence means. I'll just say it. There are things that I saw that I'll never be able to see, and it and it and it ruined nights of sleep. And some of the most indelible images are of the dogs being shot. I don't know why. Maybe because I'm a dog lover. I'm also a human being lover. But there was something about them coming in and you see a dog, not a dog attacking them, just running across the, you know, one of the fields of kibbutz Nirim or Neros and then the dog being shot down. 
there was something about that that I don't know. It expanded the the category of barbarism because it's so gratuitous. Gratuitous, yeah. So one could could take the Bechorshur's comment and say, like, gosh, I feel even yuckier about how to interact with the God of this of this section. Rosemary, and then I see Rick, and then I see Joanna. Um, I think all the um, um, things that happened one after the other, it was just preparing and attacking the first things they believe. Like if there were insects, then we know in Egyptians they had insects that they were um, uh, important for them. And then it went bigger and bigger to enemy lives that small. Mm. But all the animals became small and they went bigger because the biggest one was the firstborn. Fascinating. So just preparing the road to arrive to the big world. Fascinating. But uh, on the other side, what you were talking about, uh, Jerusalem, uh, I mean, Alaska, uh, this is, it. I always think like um, the story of uh, a rich person, a child which kills somebody, and the poor one, he does the same thing. Mm. The rich one has many attorneys that finally gets out, but the poor one will go to the prison. There are many things that uh, some countries they do and nobody talks about. And if Israel just the one thing, then everybody talks about. Yeah. Right now, at this moment, there are 125,000 people out of Artsakh, uh, oh, yeah. They are nowhere to go. They ha- there's no place to go. Nobody is helping them yeah. and nobody is writing about them. And there is a, um, a monastery that I have visited it was built on 1,200. They have cut the top of it, which was rounded, I mean, which was uh, with cross, and the other one was bell room, and they cut all of them. They're making it mosque. Yeah. And I actually wrote, I said, um, well, Islam, I mean, Christianity and is, um, uh, Judaism was accepted in uh, Quran. How come they are destroying it? And how come God will go there and listen to their mm. prayers where it was before prayed for another person? Yes. So they are doing and nobody is writing that. It was 700 years before the uh, establishment of Azerbaijan that existed that church. Yeah. And they have done this many places. And the last thing is um, um, Turkey has the guts all the time or the going saying, Genocide, that was the word for Armenian genocide. He's using for Israel. Israel is not doing genocide, but Armenians were doing. Uh, Poignant, and also let's go jump back in the text. Rick and then Joanna. Hi. Um, I was just going to, I mean, I'm realizing now that it's ahead of the game because we only got up to five, but when you were talking about Mott um, and... um, Thank uh, our lucky stars again for uh, Tova knowing all about Egypt. But um, you have mates coming up and, and Lamut and, and Yamut. So um, and then Yichbad, the, the heaviness of uh, Pharaoh's heart again. So it, it's always to me, I always hear the anti-Egyptian religion uh, coming through. They didn't have to. The text doesn't have to say there's lo mate echad twice there's low mate they could have said there's peace there they didn't have to say there's no death but i think the mate is that there's no more order the ma'at the order that tova was talking about is gone 
So thank you, Rick. Um, before Joanna speaks, just because some people uh, joined the Zoom after I made these announcements, two announcements. We're going to end class five minutes early today because I have to uh, be somewhere and can't be late. And next week, class only on Zoom, only on Zoom next week. Uh, Joanna. Um, apologies, my video seems to have gone haywire. But um, it's interesting in, in light of this conversation about, um, you know, the value and sanctity of life versus the value and sanctity of, you know, your God and the places that represent that, to think about why in particular we lost the second temple. Because... Wait, Joanna, say that the- sentence again, we lost the audio too. Okay, let's try again. It's interesting to think about why in particular, in context of this discussion, why we lost the second temple. Mm. We lost the second temple. We lost our spiritual place because we were not valuing human life. Mm. Yeah, right. So at least the, 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 the rabbinic gloss on the history around the law of the destruction of the second temple is because of that, that um, by not val- valuing human life and feel, human feelings, we lost our sacred home. Yeah, which is different than the rabbinic explanation for why the first temple was destroyed, which was for three sins, for shvichut amim, murder, for gilui ariot, sexual depravity, and avodazara, for um, idolatry. <coughs> Thank you, Joanna. Okay, let's now read verse six, and then we'll, we'll be looking at a different commentator on that verse. Um, let's see. Uh, Rebecca, do you want to read verse six? Okay. Vayas Adonai et hadavar hazeh mimacharat v'yamat kol mikne mitzrayim u'mimikne b'nei Yisrael lo meit echad. Okay. And God did this thing uh, on the mar from from tomorrow on the morrow. I think on the morrow is the perfect English for that. Yeah, the next day. The next day, um, and uh, uh, and 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 died all the um, sh- cattle of Egypt, but the cattle of the children of Israel, uh, not one died. Good. All right. So verse six um, jumps to the deed, right? We don't have, we don't have the interaction between Moses and Pharaoh. God does the, the, the davar of the dever, as it were, the thing of the pestilence on the next day, all of the cattle of Egypt died. And of the me, meekness of Israel, of the cattle of the children of Israel, not a single one died. Okay, Rashi's quiet in the verse. What do, what people want to ask or say about the verse? Joanna, your hand is up again. Or is that still? Oh, sorry. That, from before. Okay. Uh, comments or questions on the verse? Uh, Marshall. Well, just the word mikne interests me because uh, the translations I've seen is livestock, not cattle. So all their livestock is mikne own. Mikne, Behema. Good. So if it's all of their livestock, not just their cattle, then what? What 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 does that I don't know, where, where does that leave us if we're being told that all of their livestock are dead? 
that they're hungry, that there's no milk. The reason I, I lead the witness in that regard is because the commentary we're going to look at is picking up on the fact that it does, the verse does seem to say that all of their livestock are dead. Okay. Wait, microphone. That, that, that reduces the, the idea that only their spiritual uh, essence has been uh, attacked. This is their food stuff has been attacked. Yes. It's a human suffering. Anything else on the verse itself? Questions you want to ask or comments that you want to make on the verse before we look at the commentator? Okay. Uh, let me put the next commentary on the page. This is uh, the Ibn Ezra um, on this uh, verse. Okay. Yes, yeah, Sue, you need a microphone? I just want to say that the Mimaharat, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's fast. This is like, it seems like, why is that there? So like, okay, tomorrow at the next, the very next day, it was like, it, it, this wasn't something that they had any processing time to respond to. This was, you know, completely befell them. Yeah. And if you look, if we remind ourselves that they were told it was going to happen tomorrow in verse five, and it indeed happened tomorrow. It's not the first time where we see the story, not just imposing the heaviness of the plague, but going back to Ma'at, God's being able to control time too. Like I, I, I will tell you it's happening tomorrow at 9.50 a.m. and that's exactly when it's going to happen. And you can even ask me, when do you want, is it the frogs to leave? Right, yeah. was that it? And, tell, and they left at that exact time, right? So that is both sort of a show of compassion and you get to choose when it, when it's happening, but it's also a way of saying all of the things that you think that you and your gods are in control of, I am. Look what Ibn Ezra says on Bayas Adonai, remembering uh, the comment that Marshall said. The explanation of the phrase that all of the livestock of Egypt died is rubo, most of them. So Ibn Ezra says, it says all of them. Sometimes all doesn't mean all, right? Like all the time does not mean all the time in English, right? It means most. How do we know this? Kihine kativ. Because it is written when, uh, in, ahead in verse 19, so everyone look at um, verse 19 in your own books. This is um, regarding the plague of hail. In verse 19, we're told, <laughs> Go dispatch and like bring in your livestock. And all of the things that you have in the field, etc. Because um, the, 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 the hail is going to come down. So Ibn Ezra says, if in 19, they still had livestock that would have been exposed to the hail, it must mean that all the livestock was not possibly killed in this verse. Okay. Um, and I keep, uh, when, yeah, Joel. Where it's, this is Murphy's Law. Wherever the microphone is, it's as far away as possible from the person who wants to speak next. Yes. Well, if you accept Marshall's comment that miknem means livestock, it doesn't mean every member. It just means all it, it affected all the different the range of livestock. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. I think that could be a, a commentary on that could be defending Ibn Ezra. That that's how it could be coal and rove. Like all species suffered, but not every individual living being. Um Look at the second line up here, the Kacha Timsab Barad. Um, and we find the same when the the um, plague of hail is introduced, where it says the etkol esiv hasadeh. It's gonna say that the the um 
hail is going to destroy all of the uh, vegetation. The ha'ed, but the witness to the fact that was not the case is that um, when we get to our bear locusts, what are locusts eating? Vachal et yeter ha'pleta. They ate the remaining vegetation, which means that whatever the barad, the hail destroyed, it wasn't all of it. So uh, at the core, Ibn Ezra is a grammarian, right? He's much less of a, of a, of a midrashic sermonizer than a grammarian, and he wants you to know, yes, it says coal. Sometimes we say coal, we mean rove. Sometimes we say all, and we mean most. And, and he shows you two other examples where that's the case. Um, okay, a lot of hands. I see Larry, Sitova, and then Rick's hand was up also. The thing that strikes me about the verse is, uh, I already mentioned, Moses doesn't tell Pharaoh, but neither does Moses or Aaron use the rod to bring it out, to, to bring, to bring the, um, the plague on. Mm. Is this, this is the first plague, I think, that, that, that it just happens. It just happens. Um, I have to check to see if that's the case. Um, but it, it might be. Is, is the previous one also? Um, was a rove done with the use of hands? Um, I'm not sure, because if you look at chapter 8, verse 20, it's right after God promises what's going to happen to all this arove. It just appears. I don't think there's Moses and Aaron initiating that either right. okay um tova um i guess another way or that, that i'm thinking of it is that it's saying that of all those coal all those that died they were all egyptian and of all those that survived they were all hebrews mm. yeah. okay good so that's another another way of making sense of this notion of coal yeah, uh, rick one second barry rick and then stevie uh, hi. Um, j- just to underline um, the attack on the uh, Egyptian religion, if their rams are dying, then they can't worship the ram god. If the cow god is dying, they can't worship the cow god. So it, besides their diet, not being able to eat them, if they ate them, I don't know about that, but they it's interfering with their supplication to their gods hey help us against this israel god and they can't do that because their um their animals are gone yeah yeah thank you stevie and then barry uh just uh added a bit to ibn ezra that when we get to the final plague in addition to saying uh like that every firstborn died it also adds the detail that in no house was there not a death. So the idea that that you would need that extra phrase implies that saying all doesn't necessarily mean all until you say, you know, not a single escaped. Very good. And if everyone wants, um, we can actually look at that. Uh, let's see, because that's, that's an interesting contrast. That is going to be, whoever can find the verse first. Um Maybe it's not worth looking for it. But yes, what, what uh, Stevie said, that th- that um, there has to, there's almost like a need to explain the notion that uh, all the firstborn died by 
a second phrase saying there wasn't one house in which it didn't die. So it's only not redundant if sometimes the word all doesn't mean all. Good. Uh, Barry? So uh, uh, going along with what uh, had just uh, pointed out, uh, his kinu was saying that we uh, are called nickname Mitzrayim. It's a vein lomer shachol nickname. It's that not all of them died. Shacharekitiv. Uh, it's trying to say that the nickname in Israel lo make echad. Not not one of the Israelites uh, died. Wh- whom are you reading there? Chizkuni. Correct, right. So Chizkuni takes the Tova way of explaining uh, the Kol rather than the Ibn Ezra way. Great, thank you for that. Okay, um, anyone else on the verse? Rosemary? Just for the timing that you were saying, I think last time when we discussed, it, it, it's, uh, he told Moses, I mean, it was like, it's, it already happened. Maybe that's why it just happened the next day, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Because before, when he announced, he said, we discussed that. Why did he say, like, it happened already, mm-hmm. not will happen? Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, let's go. Uh, Joel? I just want to connect the dots. So going back, we had the turning the water into blood <coughs> that caused the uh, frogs to jump out and to infest. And then they were in a heap and they caused all these gnats to come and eat the dead bodies. And then this the Dever, which I said was probably mites or some You mean the Arov. The Arov, which caused which uh, ate the gnats. And now I looked up and there's mites uh, can cause cattle disease. So so far so far it works. There's a natural okay. natural progression. Natural progression. I don't know how right. we're gonna get and it's sort of hell, but... it's chad gadya-ish yeah, also a little bit. Works. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, let's read verse seven and then we'll I'll share with you the commentary I brought for verse seven. Uh, who have not heard from? I've heard from everyone. Uh, Elon, let's read, read verse seven, please. Let's give Elon a microphone, please. Um, and Pharaoh sent uh, and he saw that uh, they didn't die uh, from the livestock of Israel, not one. And um, and Pharaoh's hard harden hardened, and he didn't send out the people. Great. Okay. So, um, as you're translating that in your head, everybody, you you, you might be like wishing there was a, a phrase after Vayishlach Paro because it's kind of hangs there. And Pharaoh sent. Pharaoh sent what? Right. And some of the translations even fill it in. He sent a messenger. Or he sent to inquire. Or he sent. Um, how does JPS do it? Yeah, uh, Everett Fox says Pharaoh sent, and he puts in brackets to inquire because normally sending means an object, right? So the sending here seems to be um, to go see what happened out there the day after the Dever. 
And he nay behold, whomever he sent to give him this information. By the way, that is reminiscent of the sending that takes place at the end of the flood, because Noah sends the birds out <coughs> to scout to see how the damage is. So it's the same notion. Not um, what 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 basically what we were told in verse six. We're now told Pharaoh learns in verse seven. We already know this information because it says in verse six. But now we're told that Pharaoh is realizing that not a single um, one of the flock of Israel died. Um, his heart was hardened, and he didn't send, and, and he didn't send the people. Okay. Um, thoughts, comments before we read Sforno on this verse. Sforno, Italian. We're going to go Italian. Rick. Uh, hi. On, just on what you said, when um, the Israelites are leaving, um, Pharaoh sends out, messen- uh, uh, sends out a messenger. You know, what are they doing? How come they're not coming back? And um, he's told that they're not coming back, that they did their thing and they're still going. So um, it's like he has messengers going back to find out What's happening with the Israelites? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything that this verse makes you uh, question or, 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 or wonder about? Um, anything in the plot or the language? Uh, Tova? Oh, the microphone is right there. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Violating our principle. Um, well, the thing that struck me when we first read it, and I've sort of been pondering about it, is that um, he sends out and gets the information that presumably the Egyptian cattle have died or many of them have died, but Israel's haven't. And the result is that his heart is hardened and he doesn't let them go, which seems contrary to, oh my, you know. Perfect. Uh, right. So uh, in, in successive verses, uh, Tova has been the Chizkuni and now Tova is the Sforno, right? The, 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 the plot, it's, it's subtle, but the plot line is interesting. We've had the pattern that first Pharaoh sees the impact of what God can do and momentarily gets nervous and, and considers sending and, 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 and then ultimately says, you know what, even though I recognize that God is powerful, I'm still going to harden my heart. Here, the verse seems to be saying, Pharaoh sends the information, gets information. The information reinforces that he's powerless. And in reaction to that, he hardens his heart. It should be in reaction to that, he softened his heart. And then he got stubborn again, right? There's a, there seems to be something in Congress about that. Marshall and Sue, and then we'll look at Sforno. But we already have read Sforno. So on the, on the verse itself, uh, we have the word ine, mm-hmm. which um, Robert Alter is set, looking at look, yeah. right? And then we have the word ad echad, which uh, mm-hmm. Ibn Ezra in the long version makes a comment on where he says the word ad means afilu. Because when I read the verse, I said the word odd is mm. not it's, it's odd. up until it's odd. odd. It is odd. Uh, odd. Thank you, Joel. Very, very good. Because I was thinking the word should have been off. Yeah. Mm. Maybe in my text. <laughs> you know, it should have been off. But uh, at least um, uh, Ibn Ezra, the long version, uh, says it's a philo. And maybe you can explain. There are, I guess there are two versions of Ibn Ezra. A long version and a short version? There are two. They're referred to as the long version, the short version, but it's not necessarily the case that the long version always has longer comments than the short version. And I once was able to answer that question more intelligently as to why they're referred to as the long and the short. Because sometimes on the page, the short version, the, the Ibn Ezra HaKatsar, 
the short Ibn Ezra is a longer comment than Ibn Ezra Ha'arok, but I forgot why it got that moniker. Um, you reminded me of something else. Oh, um, I, I had a class at JTS with uh, Professor Yochanan Mufs of Blessed Memory, who in his prime was just considered an, an unbelievably radiant and illuminating Bible professor. Marlon, my mother-in-law, still talks about what it was like for her to study with him in the 1960s. Oh, wow. By the time I <coughs> was studying with him in the late 90s, he was very, very, this is actually ironic, I think about it, very diminished by Parkinson's. And he had the kind of Parkinson's where his mind was fully intact, mm -hmm. but his body would freeze. And then he'd be, um, he'd be sort of momentarily paralyzed. So you, we, we were meeting in his office and he would be going for 10 minutes and then he would stop almost like that, like awakenings. And he could be still for 20 minutes. And we would just sit there politely for 20 minutes. And then he'd awaken. And it was clear when he awakened that he was there the whole time because he, he came back right to the same sentence, which it's actually horrific to think about someone that he, alert. He knew about the cross. He knew he was. Yeah, but he couldn't stop it. Why do I mention it? Um, you know, he was a, 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 a incredibly astute Bible scholar. And one of the things he loved most to do was explore the possible, possible places where biblical texts have been either unintentionally or intentionally emended, where if, you ch if, if it was this letter and now this letter, you know, in, you know, ninth century BCE, it got changed and it got codified. And we spent, all, it was the book on, it was a class on Isaiah. So it was all in the, in the chapters of Isaiah, but I can imagine Yochanan Muff's wondering in his verse, maybe not only that Ad sometimes mean off, maybe the word was off, right? And it turned into Ad. We don't know, right? But that's not a hard uh, mistake to make by a handwritten scribe in the hills of Judea in the year 741 BCE, right? So, because um, the Ad, you're right, is Ad. The Ad is Ad there. I just stole Joel's joke by accident. Um, okay, let's read Sforno, right? Anyway, oh, Sue. Was it in Elon? Was your hand up also? Oh, I'm just I I'm just thinking about this. Uh, you know, it, after the disaster, and he went out and he saw the Israelites. You know that none of them got damaged, and and that hardened his heart. That's what right. we were talking about. And every everything I read and everything I think about, and everything that happens in the world, I think about the war in Israel. That's everything. Everything gets framed in that for me, and. I'm just th thinking about that. It's like he went out and he saw that the the Israelite, you know, cat, nothing was affected and he got mad as hell. He's like, I'm mad as hell. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. This is it, it's over. And so then you watch the the escalation yeah. of hostility and anger. And then how does where does it end? How does it end? How how does that the the kind of reactive thing how would it be softened from that? Yeah. How could he go out and see that they're okay? And then he come back and go, okay, all right then. Right. If, if that evidence hardens Pharaoh's heart rather than softens Pharaoh's heart, then, there, then there's no convincing him. Right. And you're right. And I, um, <laughs> Sam Harris makes a similar point in that same podcast about that even in the awful awfulness of war, there are certain moral and logical arguments that people hold that to suggest how and in what way the enemy will be subdued. 
And if you're dealing with an enemy that does, forget about the doesn't even respond to the logic of when an enemy should understand that they're being defeated, then it's very it's it's hard to win any war, right? Like even we can debate ad infinitum whether the decision to bomb Hiroshima was a good decision or a bad decision, saved lives or killed lives. But ultimately, Japan showed itself to be logical once they realized the emperor did. The emperor did, right? The emperor did. Emperor did. That that <laughs> that that there there was no way to imagine a situation in which they wouldn't be defeated. There was a surrender. But what do you deal? What do you do when you're dealing with an enemy like Pharaoh, whose response to being overpowered is to double down, right? Um, Toba. This is more or less following on, on what we've been saying, but I, I, I did want to point out, as I've mentioned before, the uh, how interesting it is that they, they use the word kaved, which we're translating as hardening, but also can mean weighty. Yeah. Um, that you could also read this as going on the same premise that he was angered by it, but that rather than uh, that his heart became was weighted down and he then didn't let them go, but rather that his heart was weighted down into sense because he didn't let them go. Mm. That, that it's a statement of mm. he adds to the sinfulness, the weightiness of his own heart nice. because he makes that decision. Nice. Thank you. Interesting. My, my translation on this uh, the, uh, 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 it, it, it remained hard. Uh, his heart remained hard. In other words, this is not his choice. Yeah, and we've we discussed that a few times. That is each is is each time this phrase is used a description of the type of person he was, which is explaining the behavior, or a description of something happening to him in that moment, right? And it's a, it's we can't resolve that conundrum, but it's an interesting thing to think about each time. It's God's it's God's cause. Look at, uh, I'm going to share the screen. We'll see what Sforno has to say about this. We've already kind of <coughs> discussed the topic. Sforno, Italian commentator, uh, 15th, 16th century. Even though this is an obvious miracle that you can't, you can't claim once, you have, once it's been told to you that your cattle died and not one in Israel did, you can't claim that that's a natural phenomenon. It doesn't make any sense according to rational law. In any situation, aside from through the God, may God be blessed, because there's no other power that could have promised life, meaning promised that the uh, livestock would stay alive, Besides, aside from him. And despite that, or in reaction to that, that's when you harden your heart. That's not just an evil person. That's a psychopath, right? If Sforno spoke 21st century English, that's you would say. That's psychopathic. That's just not even listening to the, da- to the data that's put in front of you. So he's pointing out that this is a pattern change. We, we've, seen, we, we've seen two steps be turned into one. The two steps have been Pharaoh begrudgingly saying, Oh my God, this is a really significant God. Maybe I should think about what I'm doing. No, 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 I can't. Here, he jumps straight to, because I'm seeing how powerful God is and how powerful as I am, therefore I'm hardening my heart. Right? So Sforno, um, 
Again, what 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 uh, Tova said before is basically the point this forno is making. What is Zulati? Other than Zulat means only or unique. So Zulati Brach, aside from yeah. Uh, I forgot why the word that word means that. I don't. I don't really think that it appears in modern Hebrew, right? Zulat. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think it might. Like what? In in sort of poetic romantic Hebrew, you can refer to your beloved as your Zulat, like the only one for you. Right. The other. The other. Yeah. But I forgot again at the core etymologically why it means that. Okay, those are our three non-Rashi verses. We got through all of them. I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> And even on a shortened class, Stevie, Stevie, go ahead. Yeah, I was just uh, seeing Chiz Kuni makes an interesting comment on Vechaved Levav. Can you speak a little bit louder, Stevie? Sorry. Chiz Kuni makes an interesting comment. um, Right. That that Pharaoh, his heart was hardened because he did not need to ask Moses to pray for him. Because what's dead is dead and what's alive is alive. That like the the nature of the plague was such that there wasn't any, you know, any ongoing effect. So he just, so that's what made him hard in his heart is there was no need to, to ask Moses, you know, to beg Moses for something to end or for prayer. Good. And while you were talking, I shared it on the screen. So it's the second commentary on, on, yeah. the, on the right. Hizkuni is responding to the same quote unquote problem in the verse and just explain it a different way. Right? There, there was another reason why we didn't have the step of asking Moses to pray because they're all dead. So how do you, but you could also respond back to Chizkuni, isn't God capable of resurrection of the dead? We certainly dive in for that all the time. Uh, Larry, as you're walking down the street. Thank you. I just want to refer back to Sforno because I think that actually has insight into human nature because how often does rational argument work? And very often, all of us, at least I'll speak for myself, double down when confronted with rationale that suggests that we're wrong. Yeah. And that's all. I think it's, I, I think it's, it, I don't think it's actually changed over time. Yeah. And it continues to this day. Right. And we all in those moments are convinced that we're rational. <laughs> Right, so the, there's something like irrational even about our claims to rationality. Very good. Okay, uh, let's read the next verse. The next verse is the is the, is the first verse in a while that Rashi says something about. Uh, so let's read it. Nine twenty-two. We have three minutes. Uh, let me read this verse so we can do it quickly, and then we'll start with the Rashi next week. So verse eight. Vayomer Adonai el Moshe v'Aaron. God said to Moses and to Aaron, so pay attention to that. And the next verbs are plural. Take the two of you, take for yourselves. Lachem does not always mean for yourself, right? We talk about all the time, does not necessarily mean that... Um, <clears throat> that Aram was being told to go for himself. It sometimes it's just a way of just adding to the verb. Take for yourselves melo chofnechem, the fill of your chofen. And you know what a chofen is? A this, right? It's actually a biblical measurement. And we have that in the sacrifices as well. Pull, put, putting, 
putting your hands together like this is a chofen. So melochof nechem means filling up both of your hands. Plural. So filling up both of both of your hands, right? Filling it up with what? Piach kivshan. The piach of a kivshan. Anyone know what either word means? What's kivshan? Furnace, okay? Piach is interesting. I want to show you the root in BDB. Uh, where was it? Okay. Very good, right? It's from the root. Uh, there are certain Hebrew roots um, that... Uh, the first letter of the root falls out in certain forms. And when the first letter of a root root is a nun, it falls out in certain forms, right? May God shine God's face or bear God's face upon you is from the root nasa, but the nun disappears in that form. The root nafach, nun, pechet, means to blow or to puff. Um, and we have it in the first Verses of Breshid, God blew into his nostrils. The root is nafach, the nun disappears. So if you look at the BDB on the screen, puach is kind of like the gerund or the core root of breathing blowing from originally napach. Um, and you see the second entry down, it means soot. Now, do the work for us. Why would the word soot be from a root that means blowing? Because it's the remnants of a fire that could be blown by the wind. Right? That's what, I mean, we don't think of it that way in English, but that's what soot is. Sue? It, is this how, in modern Hebrew, you know, charcoals are pechamim? Is it, do we get them from pia? Do we get them from here? I don't think so. I think pechet mem, mem is a different is a thing? different root than nun pechet. Could, okay. could the early so. be built into the etymology? Sure, but I think they're different roots. Okay, so I have one more thing. Yeah. We've got nuns pay, you just said. Right. And when you're, when you're back and Pachamim, I'm all in the barbecue now. Like you, you, you're, you know, nafnafim, you're like blowing the, that's, yes. so the, so you're, nif, that's, lenafnef. Lenafnef, you're, you're waving, you're waving, the, right. you're blowing the Pachamim. So it's more common that if the roots share the first two letters that they're related, than if the first two letters match the second two letters. So it's less common that napach and pacham would be related than napach and nafnef, because the nun pei that begins those roots could be like early earlier taxonomy of the, of the of the root. So just to finish off quickly, so take fill your double hands with the soot of the furnace, and now the quotation marks end because now we're actually being told what happened. Uzurako Moshe. Moses threw it, Moses and not Aaron, even though they're both has to do it. That's going to be important to Rashi's comment. Hashemaima into the heavens, le'enei Pharaoh in the eyes of Pharaoh. Okay, so that's what that verse means. We'll pick it up next week. Only on Zoom, everybody. Only on Zoom next week. See you all soon. Got to run. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.